Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Well, most of you will know that over the last couple of years, the COVID years, Joe and I have become grandparents three times over. We have the privilege of being quite involved in the lives of Mason and Elliot, who is born to our eldest daughter, and Willow, our daughter-in-law next down, which is something that you know we don't take for granted, being able to be involved in their lives. Having three grandchildren under three reminds us of the fun times we had of raising our four children. In particular, the, the quick growth trajectory that we all go through as kids. Learning to talk, learning to walk, toilet training, all those fun things. Just this last weekend, I had to teach two and a half year old Mason the realities of nature when I took this picture of him with a fresh trout that our son Fraser had just caught down at the lake. Holding the fish up for a photo, Mason said, say cheese, fish. I had to explain to him that the fish wasn't going to say cheese or smile because it was, well, it didn't have much to smile about. It was a learning moment for Mace at a time when he's learning a lot about life, death, and fishing. Jesus used the same example of a child being on a learning growth curve when his disciples, who were probably in their early 20s perhaps, came to him with what was an unreasonable question. Matthew recounts this interaction in Matthew chapter 18 verses 1 to 5 when the disciples clearly have a misunderstanding about the kingdom of heaven. We read, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. In saying this, Jesus was telling the disciples that they still have a lot to learn about him and about his kingdom. So they should take on the posture of a little child and be willing to keep on learning. The application is that this is a posture we should all take. Through all of our lives, no one ever knows it all as followers of Jesus And learning and growing and being inquisitive and being prepared to see things in different ways is a lifelong journey for every one of us. This is the posture that we see in one of Jesus' disciples that we're taking a look at today by the name of Peter. As we continue a series that Caleb introduced last week that we'll be working through over the next few weeks. It's called Character Matters. This series looks at how character was formed within Jesus and some of his closest friends. Because when we think about how the world sees God at work in our lives, it's largely through the growth and change in our character. So, character matters. As I mentioned, today I'll be looking at Peter. And in the weeks to come, we'll look at Andrew, 
James, John, and for Variety, we'll look at how character development can negatively affect our lives as we take a look at Judas. The thing about Jesus' disciples, generally speaking, is that they, they weren't brilliant academically. They weren't top sports people. They, they weren't famous. In fact, the biggest thing about them was their ordinariness. And yet out of that, we see how when they made themselves willing and available, God used them in ordinary ways to bring transformation to the world, which today includes some 2.1 billion people saying they have faith in Jesus. Perhaps if we're willing to allow our character to be shaped by God, he can use us to make some difference for his purposes in our world. Maybe just with one or two people around us, or maybe lots. Back to Peter. To the disciples, Peter was the leader of the pack. And what I like about Peter is that he was a man who was open to a process of lifelong learning on the road. He was learning, willing to learn in the posture, perhaps of a little child that Jesus speaks of. So let's set up where Peter fits in the lineup of Jesus' closest group of friends, his disciples. In the New Testament, we read four lists that name the 12 disciples. We find this in Matthew 10, 2-4, Mark chapter 3, verse 16-19, to Luke chapter 6, verse 13-16, to and Acts chapter 1, verse 13. Here are some interesting facts about these lists. The 12 disciples are listed in three groups of four, except for the last list that has Judas missing at that time. The first group listed in each book always has Peter at the head of the list, and that group then always includes Andrew, James, and John. The three names at the head of each group seem to have been the group leaders, and the three groups always appear in the same order. First Peter's group, then the group led by Philip, and then the group headed by James. The groups appear to be listed in descending order according to their level of intimacy with Jesus. The members of the first group listed were, in all likelihood, the first disciples that Jesus called. And so Peter stands out as the leader and perhaps the, the key spokesman for the rest. Perhaps this is understandable because this first group, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, have been with Jesus the longest, and therefore they seem to occupy the most trusted position in Jesus' inner circle. From this perhaps raw data, it would be easy to assume that Peter could be described as the most significant disciple of the group. Perhaps the, the two I see to Jesus, the big cheese. Maybe even the teacher's pet. He knew Jesus intimately and he should have known Jesus better than any of the others because he was, in effect, Jesus' right-hand man. When we first encounter Peter, his name was actually Simon. And Simon was a very common name. There are at least seven Simons recorded in the Gospel accounts alone. But things change very quickly for this man called Simon. His brother Andrew had decided that he believed that Jesus was the Messiah and started to follow Jesus. And being a good brother, he went and found Simon and took him to Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 42 says, Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. 
And Peter means rock or, or Petros in the original Greek. This was the first time that Simon had met Jesus. And he says, he says that to him. Talk about a heavy introduction. Their first face-to-face conversation sees Jesus rename Simon and lay down a vision for his life that, well, we're part of today. What I find super interesting is that throughout the Gospels, we see Peter being called Peter, Simon, or Simon Peter. And this is significant because it appears to relate to how Jesus viewed Peter's maturity and faith, which was constantly in a growth pattern as we see Peter at various times being impetuous, impulsive, and an over-eager, idealistic young man. There was plenty of spring in his step. He was raw, full of questions, and proved himself to be a, a constant learner, particularly in the face of opposition and difficulty, which makes his faith as a child stand out to be a great example to us. To show that Peter was open to growing, let's focus on some of his more spectacular challenges. We might call them failures. Firstly, if there's one story that most of us would know when we think about Peter, it's the one we read in Matthew chapter 14, verse 25 to 31. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. All right, come, he said. Then Peter got down of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? It's obviously easy to see the negative side of the story. Lack of faith equals a a sinking feeling, failure. But what we sometimes overlook is the part before his failure. The part where Peter left the boat, no one else did. He was prepared to risk it all, to perhaps look stupid. He was prepared to fail. He didn't even think twice. He just stepped overboard. The rest of the disciples were still clinging to their seats, trying to make sure that they didn't fall overboard in the storm. I wonder if you'd be prepared to leave the boat. Have you got the faith to believe that Jesus is calling you to follow him in ways you don't think possible? That's what I call doing life and faith together. It means trusting Jesus when it doesn't seem logical to do so. Of course, Peter fell under the water, but only when he took his eyes off Jesus. When he saw the wind, when he saw an obstacle. How many of us see the wind and it takes our eyes off Jesus? What a great lesson. Of course, this wasn't the only time that Peter seems to have failed to live up to his calling. There's a remarkable set of events towards the end of Jesus's life that shows Peter's humanity in vivid color. And yet at the same time, he was remarkably in tune with the work of God in his life. Here's the deal. Several parts of a story that that demonstrate Peter's humanity and his humility before God. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 to 19, we see Peter being commended for the greatest confession of who Jesus is 
at that first introduction to Jesus. It says, Simon Peter, Simon Peter answered, sure, a bit curious perhaps, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I mean, that's tremendous. What a compliment. But then we see this just a couple of verses later in Matthew 16, verses 21 to 23. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Well, here is the harshest rebuke ever recorded of a disciple in the New Testament. One moment, Jesus calls Peter blessed, pro promising him the, the keys of the kingdom. And in the next paragraph, Jesus calls him Satan. <laughs> a good day suddenly turned into a bad day for Peter. Of course, Peter's attitude here is, is very human. He didn't want to see Jesus die, but that's the issue. He was thinking from an earthly perspective. Death, like the wind, was an obstacle to the bigger purposes of the Father. Peter already knew who Jesus was, and Jesus had, had told him what was going to happen. So in this event, we see Peter learning to, to have to see things through a, a Christ or a, a God-like lens. How about another failure of Peter? A little later, we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Peter learns kind of the same lesson. When Judas hands over Jesus, as was predicted, we see that the commander was there with his detachment of soldiers to arrest Jesus, probably about 600 of them. We read in John chapter 18, verses 8 to 10. I told you that I am he, Jesus answered. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Here's Peter at his impetuous best. 600 soldiers around him, and he thinks he can protect his friend Jesus. Even though Jesus has told him and the disciples multiple times what was about to happen, Peter is again in denial and shows he still has things to learn about Jesus. And then there's the biggie. After all that Peter has seen and heard and experienced, the great denial. Luke chapter 22 verses 60 to 62 say, Peter replied for the third time, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Through all of these events, and there's a few of them, we can see that Peter is on a, on a constant journey of growth, mostly through what we might see as failure. And yet, even in these events, 
Peter hung in there with Jesus. Remember that by the time the rooster crowed, most of the other disciples had already gone. They left after Jesus was arrested. John chapter 18 verse 15 tells us that, that only Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. No one else. Despite obstacles and despite failure, Peter hung in with Jesus and was prepared to keep learning and to keep growing. You can see all of the raw material that Jesus had to work with. And no doubt Jesus knew he had his work cut out with Peter. Yet the same Peter who kept learning about who Jesus was through trial and error was the same Peter we see sometime later standing up in Acts chapter 2 verse 36, preaching to his fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem that God has made this Jesus who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And this is the same Peter who went on to be a prolific church planter, a powerful preacher, and who ended up being crucified upside down for his faith because he said he wasn't worthy to die as his Lord Jesus had died. Peter's life was an example of transformation and action. He learned from his experiences what was really important, and he hung in there to see the fruit of his growing character. Character that others ultimately saw in him because character matters. Are you prepared to let God shape your character? Or are you letting failure determine the direction of your life? Are you focused on obstacles? And how are you letting the disappointments and failures be turned into growth opportunities? Like the faith development of a child. Later in his life, listen to what Peter wrote in his reflections on his life journey of learning and the ongoing growth that he had in character. He writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. <laughs> There's the evidence that a childlike faith is willing to keep on learning and makes a a tangible difference in lives. Those verses penned by Peter shows that character matters and that spirit-inspired character can direct people to Jesus and is the evidence of really doing life and faith together. So, some questions for you to reflect on. How willing are you to let Jesus shape your life? Peter was strong-willed, but he was open to change. Are you? 
Are you prepared to stand with Jesus when the going gets tough? In a moment, I'm going to pray. And I want you to think about what God might be saying to you about your character. What does he want to work on in you this week? Patience? Forgiveness? Peace? And then after I prayed, we're going to listen to a song. It was a song written a few years ago by Matt Boswell and Matt Papa. It's a song called With Simple Faith that says God will save us with simple faith and a childlike faith. It's a hymn-like song, simple in its lyrics, but profound in its application. I want you to reflect upon the difference a childlike faith makes as we listen to it. But firstly, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the real-life example of Jesus and some of his closest friends. We thank you that their lives reflect and mirror ours. They kept on growing. They kept on learning. We thank you for Peter, Simon, Simon Peter. We thank you that his life, again, mirrors many of ours. We learn on the road. We make mistakes. We, sometimes we, we fail and we have to start again. We thank you that the Bible is just a collection of different people and how they've discovered more of you in their life. And we thank you for the legacy that Peter has left in the letters that he has written in the New Testament and the profound nature of their lyrics that continue to affect us. I pray that we might all have the courage to look into our hearts and see what parts of our lives you would like to shape, what character you would like to develop within us by your Spirit so that we might be people in our world who live out our faith, who live according to your ways, who aren't scared to follow your lead. And in that way, we might point one person, two people, towards heaven, towards you. And so, Father, character does matter. We thank you that your word speaks that into our lives. Help us to hear what you might be saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. With simple faith and childlike trust Oh, see the Father's love display Tis written there upon the cross Where payment for our sin was made Only trust Him, only trust Him Turn to Jesus now He will save you, He will save you With simple faith and childlike trust Savior call, He welcomes now the least of these. His mercies are a fountain full. Oh, precious sinner, come and drink. Only trust Him, only trust Him. Turn to Jesus now. He will save you. He will save. 
Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz, and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.